0: Whoa, whoa, whoa Joey Cleveland What a song How about that one, off, huh, folks? So, gotta give a shout out to my good friend Joey Cleveland I've known Joey since we were 14 years old we Went to high school together over at LaSalle And Joey, as you can hear from that song, is an awesome mu- uh, musician He can play the guitar and sing in particular But he's one of those people that he can really... Play any instrument Like he can sit down on the drums And he can play a little piano if he had to Like he just has the the ear He has the the, the voice for music And he just does an awesome job um, Funny Joey and I met And we became really good friends Because of music and sports We met at the Soccer camp Pre-freshman year When we were entering LaSalle High School And We were, I think we were having, it was like a lunch break and we were sitting there eating lunch and there was a bunch of music playing uh, as we were sitting in the classroom meeting and Lifehouse came on, falling even more in love with you. And Joey and I were singing it and laughing and we became good buddies after that. So Joey Cleveland, follow him on Twitter at J-O-E-Y-C-L-V-L-N-D and let him know how great that theme song was uh, for That's What G Said. You can, if you just type in that's what G said on YouTube, you can listen to that theme. You can listen to the theme song there. Joey will be, hopefully, he'll be our official music guy with uh, tunes and jingles. And, and anytime we need some help, Joey will be, uh, will be maybe giving us some little uh, different segments, titles, and things like that. He just does a great job. And ideally, hopefully, the, uh, the plan will be to do some live shows. Down the road where we can do them either at restaurants Or different places or maybe Different events, do a live podcast Joey can play some music uh, In and out and you can kind of be like the the right hand Man, my wingman there Kind of like the, the Kevin Eubanks You can come in with a little da-dunch And Joey can be the uh, some comic relief at, at times So hopefully we'll see if that can uh, If that can happen, but a big thank you again To Joey for that New theme song Let's talk about On This Day On this day, i see clearly That's gotta be the best theme song ever Wrestling theme song, right? Edge, Edge A little segment called On This Day I'm recording this on April the 19th, 2019 And we'll go through some major events that happened on April 19th throughout history how about 1775, the shot heard around the world The American Revolution begins And you'll notice it'll tie in with some of the other history points As that was actually the day in 1897 The first ever Boston Marathon was run And that's the world's oldest annual marathon Let's see, where else are we going to go to 1934, Shirley Temple Appears on appears for the first time, and Shirley Temple appears in the first mu in her first movie, 1948. The ABC TV network debuts about 1960. Baseball uniforms begin displaying players' names on the back of their jerseys. 1966, the first regular season game at Anaheim Stadium. 1971, Charles Manson sentenced to life in prison. 1982, Sally Ride, the first woman in space. 1987, the Clippies. Clippers finished their season 12 and 70. 1995, the Oklahoma City bombing. And 2005, the 265th Pope was elected Pope Benedict. Lots of Important events throughout history on this day, April 19th, 2019. Onthisday.com is a cool website. If you go to, you can know, always see uh, some of the major events that happen on particular days throughout history. Okay, folks, we are the It's the That's What G Said podcast. That's What G Said. We're available now really everywhere. So if you go to iTunes, Uh, Spotify, Google Podcast, Acast, i mean, you name it We're up on on everything So any place that you listen to your podcast If you go and you type in, that's what G said Will pop right up If you subscribe, every time we have an episode It'll immediately get sent to you So make sure to subscribe right off the bat And you'll never have to worry or wait Anytime we do an episode, it'll be sent right to you The goal will be at least a couple, uh, at least two a week Possibly three, we'll probably do one at the beginning of the week One right before the weekend Or maybe on the weekend And honestly, it'll all depend on the news What's happening, anything fun that I've watched recently Anything big in the world of sports And um, just checking in with movies and TV shows So so we'll, we'll kind of mimic pop culture and... and Whatever seems to be a big deal, that's what we'll start talking about Like always folks, I want to hear from you If there's a a good show, a good movie Something that you saw happen um, A play in a baseball game If a player on a team that you root for It has been on fire Kind of under the radar Or um, maybe the opposite Someone's just struggling so bad Anything that's interesting, send it to me I'll always take another look into it And maybe it'll be something we talk about here on the show Want to give a shout out to a sponsor here And uh, introduce you to a sponsor for the That's What G Said podcast Call2Post.com Call2Post.com is a horse racing entertainment company Whose primary goal is to provide people from all walks of life The opportunity to experience the thrill of racehorse ownership Right now, they're offering the chance to buy shares of a racehorse And get involved for $100 call has partnered with trainer Jeff Metz on a very consistent 6-year-old gelding named Parade Blue Metz has recently branched out onto the Kentucky circuit Jeff has over 690 career wins, stakes winning trainer with 4 Emerald Downs training titles And the horse Parade Blue the gelding just ran 3rd at Keeneland on April 10th at the $25,000 claiming level If you've always wanted to own a racehorse but couldn't afford to do so, this is the perfect opportunity for you Once you purchase your share, you become a member of the Call to Post community, and you will have direct access to interact with other community members, internal handicappers, and free tournaments where you compete for prizes. Check out calltopost.com, the number two, and you can be just seconds away from horse racing ownership. Now, I was contacted by Craig Lawrence, who is uh, one of the creators of calltopost.com, and I just wanted to share some of the conversation that I had with Craig and as to why I wanted to work with Call to Post and have them sponsor, uh, he said, "You know, my brother and I started uh, Call to dot com as a cool hangout for horse players. We're getting into selling partnership, but we want to do the Slack channel for our members. Uh, what happened initially was." We created a, a platform where horse players could have a discussion and conversations with other players In our members only Slack channel, we host handicapping tournaments And we also have a fantasy horse racing league up and running After establishing the members hangout, we had several members asking us, for get, asking us If we could get into offering horse racing partnerships to our members They didn't have a whole lot of money to invest They didn't know a whole lot of people in the industry And it's difficult, let's be honest Sometimes, you know, in in horse racing, if you don't know the right person, you could get in in a bad situation and and maybe you're paying too much or you're it's just not positive. So it didn't seem like they had a lot of positive interactions early on. Now they said they've hooked up with Jeff Metz. We have met more people now that we're starting to work well with, and we have a very good relationship with Jeff Metz. They're looking forward to teaming up with all of you in the future. So go to calltopost.com and check out the opportunity to get involved in horse racing ownership. Moving on, Tiger Woods' time. You're you're not going to hear me talk a whole lot about golf, but I'm and I'm not I'm not an expert in uh, in golf in any way, shape, or form. But what I do know is when Tiger's on the hunt, when Tiger's on the prowl, when Tiger Woods is in contention, I'm paying attention, and I I know that. My dad and I were watching The final round of the Masters on Sunday When Tiger was finishing And that was the first time That I've actually been watching golf in a while Unless it was some silly thing Where I had a few bucks on someone But uh, when we talk about The biggest stars in the world I don't think there are many people Who could have Kind of stopped the world Last week on Sunday Like Tiger Woods did And Everybody was talking about Tiger Woods, his comeback, his return. And let's just kind of go through a little bit of what happened, right? So, Tiger Woods wins the 2019 Masters. It was his fifth time winning the Masters. Tiger won the Masters in 1997. He was 21 years old. This is his first major win since 2008. But between 2008 and 2019, he's had 11 other top 10 finishes. In 2014, he only finished one major. He finished in the 69th spot. In 2015, he tied for 17th in one, and then he got cut. He didn't even make the cut in the other three. In 2016 and 2017, he didn't play in any majors. In 2018, he tied for 32. He got cut in one. He tied for sixth, and then he he was second. And so you could see the progression at the end of 2018 where he had a top 10 finish and then another top 10 finish when he was second. In the PGA Championship and he finished two Shots back This is a a guy who, whether you like him Or not with what happened in his personal life With his infidelity and he's Had some drug problems but he Has really His body has been beat up quite a bit 1999 and 2007, he had LASIK eye surgeries Two LASIK eye surgeries In April 2008, he had a knee surgery He wins the 2008 US Open basically on one leg when he returns And then immediately after has to announce he's leaving for another knee surgery He comes back in 2009 At the end of the year, he has the incident with his wife um, So he takes some time off 2012, he hurts his leg 2013, an elbow injury 2014, back pain 2015, hip issues and wrist issues and, and then in 2017 Many of his close friends And many of the people who were closest to him He, he basically said, I'm done uh, a, a lot of people thought he was done And he was, he was never really going to be the same and, then, and really in all of 2018, most of 2018, he played pretty well finishing second in the PGA championship at the end. Uh, he was number 26 in the world rankings. in September 2018 he won the Tour championship to end the season and and then he started off 2019 with the masters victory, his first since you know 2008, his 15th ever major. He's only three behind Jack Nicholas now and at 43 he was the second oldest ever to win a major only behind Jack. Who won his major at 46 Tiger now has 81 total victories And uh, the only Person to ever win 4 majors In a row, he didn't do it all in the same year But at one point he had He was the reigning winner of all 4 of the majors And The stat that I think is really incredible When tied for The lead or or leading Going into the final day Tiger is 14-1 and one. Unbelievable Unbelievable um, Controversial, yes, but we love a comeback story, don't we? And and we can't sugarcoat it. Tiger didn't have cancer. He didn't suffer really a a huge tragic loss. Uh, he lost his dad, and obviously, but it wasn't like something personally to him that kind of made him go off the rails. He he cheated on his wife. He made a mistake, right? And. I think a lot of the times we all, as wa- viewers and fans, we like to see that the, the stars out there, they make mistakes too. They're regular people. They F up, right? And uh, we love the redemption story. So Tiger was able to uh, apologize. He was able to battle through a lot of the injuries. And now he's back on top and 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 nobody, I mean, so many people had counted him out and written him off. And and now you never know, right? Now he's it's the start of the year. He just won a major. And he he's playing good golf. He looks like he's healthy, he looks like he's happy. Who knows how long his body can hold up? As you heard the list of injuries and surgeries that that he's had. And but I tell you one thing, I'm paying attention a lot more to golf when tiger woods is playing that's for sure so hopefully uh tiger can continue on and and I and I'll keep an eye on him because it was fun over the weekend it was really fun just seeing and hearing everyone when we talk about like major stars or on this level who are we talking about over the last 50 years right maybe like maybe a lebron or a kobe but i don't even know if kobe got got that big what Muhammad Ali was a, a huge, um, Serena Williams maybe. I you know, I don't know, like w- because Tiger transcends golf, you know, Serena transcends tennis, and and for me, I'm kind of thinking more of of athletes that aren't quite in the most most popular sports. It's some of the ones who. Are so dominant and so great That make us really just stop And go wow So Tiger Woods back in the winner's circle Winning the 2019 Masters Let's make the uh, the transition on over From Tiger to the NBA playoffs Over in the Eastern Conference um, The one seed Milwaukee Is really been handling Detroit easily Blake Griffin has not played a, a minute yet For Detroit Yet he has two technical fouls from the bench I think a sweep is likely there with uh, Detroit up, or with Milwaukee up two nothing over Detroit. They have wins by thirty five and twenty one as the series shifts back to Detroit for Game Three. But I I don't. I'd be surprised if Detroit was able to pull out any more than one game in this series. Uh, The number two seeded Raptors they're tied one one with Orlando, and Toronto has had the issue in past years of losing Game One and really kind of choking in the playoffs. This is a a series that they. Are 100% the better team And the favorite team And they should be winning But Orlando is a feisty, feisty team Orlando won Game 1 Basically on the back of DJ Augustine Who had 25 points and 6 assists Game 2 was never close Toronto uh, bounced back And they crushed the Magic 111-82 to We really We still haven't had a good game from Vucevic For Orlando Who was their best player and an all-star this year So this is a series you would expect Vucevic to show up with you know a 25-30 a point effort In either Game 3 or Game 4 And if he's able to get a victory And they're able to, to get out 2-2 um, And you start making the Raptors And the Raptors fans a little nervous They start wondering about Kawhi maybe Is Kawhi going to be uh, leaving at the end of the year? Lowry starts struggling again He's, he's not been a great playoff performer throughout his career So uh, that's a series That 2-7 in the East Tied 1-1 The 3-6 is Philly They're up 2-1 over the Brooklyn Nets This is a must win game 4 for Brooklyn Joel Embiid did not play game 3 They showed a a pretty small lineup For uh, some parts of the game And it it was a really really good Lineup for Philly Brooklyn stole uh, game 1 But But since that Tobias Harris, J.J. Redick, and especially Ben Simmons have really bounced back and played well. Remember, all of them did not play well in Game 1 for Philly. It was really only Jimmy Butler who was carrying them in Game 1. And Butler's been really solid. I think he's uh, he's kind of changing the narrative uh, a little bit Watching how solid and steady he's been in, in these playoffs Because whether or not you like Jimmy Butler I think he is a gamer He's one of those big game players who elevates Who raises, he's not afraid to take a big shot He thinks he deserves to be taking the big shot And he wants the moment So I like players like that And he's he's a very good two-way player also Actually it wouldn't be uh, two against the Lakers getting, uh, getting Jimmy Butler The real key though for Brooklyn is D'Angelo Russell right? I know D'Angelo very well as a Laker fan And D'Angelo is very skilled But some of the negatives on D'Angelo And the knocks are what we we Recently saw from him 26 points on 12 of 26 shooting And 0 free throws D'Angelo does not get to the bucket a lot He's not a very efficient scorer And if his 3 point shot is not on He is a high volume Player who Needs to take a lot of shots And who really needs to have the ball in his hand a lot To score and As you play tougher and tougher teams And they're able to focus in and key in and lock down on that um, I think it's going to be tough for D'Angelo to score efficiently At all, um, moving forward in the playoffs The 4-5 series in the East, Boston's up 2-0 over Indy Uh, You know, Boston's not even playing well And they're beating an Indy team that is just a little bit outmanned Let's be honest, this Indy team without Oladipo They're probably... The 7th or 8th best roster In the East I think Orlando's probably better than them And I think they're probably I think every team except for Detroit without Blake Is better than them on paper They're well coached, they play uh, Pretty smart basketball, Indiana But the problem is, is they just can't score And they have too many Long periods of time throughout the game Where they just get really tight In Game 1, Indy scored 8 points In the 3rd quarter In Game 2, Indy scored 12 points in the 4th quarter Boston went on a 10-0 run Over the final 5 minutes of the game You just can't have lapses like that Throughout the game It's a must win Game 3 for Indy as they move back home But I think Boston's in really good shape It was key for them to get out 2-0 Not kind of blow a game Because that's what we've seen from Boston all throughout the year They've really underachieved most of the time So Uh, And That was, I think, important for Boston to to get up 2-0 Let's move over to the West And the one-seeded Golden State Warriors They're up 2-1 over the Clippers They blew the Clippers out in Game 3 And it was a major bounce back for Kevin Durant and the Warriors After that Game 2 debacle Remember, in Game 2, Golden State blew a 31-point lead Durant only took eight shots, and he had nine turnovers. And the Clippers came back to win a game that they were down by 31 points in the third quarter. Game three, not the case at all. When Golden State wins 132 to 105, it's a must-win game four for the Clippers. But I think they may have uh, awoken. Was it woken? Awaken? Awaken? Awoken? Awaken? Awaken? I think the Clippers might have waken. Awoken? Woken up the sleeping giant. Because if you're the Warriors, it's hard to just stay focused in every single game When you've been to the promised land so many times Like one or two of these games where you don't feel the pressure Where you don't feel it, you're just not going to be as up And now maybe they're going to be focused every game And I don't know if they're going to blow too many big leads like they did against the Clippers This team looks really tough even without DeMarcus Cousins moving forward Never been high on Denver this year I think they were a team that was really a, a regular season built type team. They're the number 2 seed and they are down 1-2 to the San Antonio Spurs, the 7-seeded Spurs. The, the thing about Denver is they're a deep team and they have a lot of interchangeable pieces which is very good for the regular season. The problem is in the when things get tight and they and lock down who do you really trust on Denver to go get a bucket? Jokic, Jokic is solid. But after Jokic, what do you get from Murray, Barton, Harris, even Millsap on any given night? I don't think they're consistent enough. This is a must-win game forward for Denver because they are at San Antonio. They cannot go down three games to one. Spurs have DeRozan and Aldridge. You you know what you're going to get from those two, right? You know what you're going to get. Mid-range slashing, like middle 20 points from both of them, solid, kind of underrated NBA stars. And and that when when you know what you're going to get from a couple players on a team and the other team is inconsistent, that that looks like it's enough right now. I mean, legitimately, would it surprise you if the Spurs beat Denver? And then they go on and beat the three-seeded Blazers as we transition on to the 3-6 matchup. The Blazers now are the three-seed. They're up 2-0 over the Thunder. They're up 2-0 even without Nurkic, although we, we know that Paul George is not 100% healthy and he's not playing at the, the MVP level that he was playing at earlier on in the season. He shot, Paul George, shot 8 for 24 in Game 1 and 4 for 15 from the three-point line. And and uh, he only shot two from seven from the three point line in game two. He, he was much better though, eleven from twenty overall. But the team was just five for twenty eight from three. And if Paul George isn't making threes, who is for the Thunder? That that's the problem for a team who's solid defensively, but they don't have an. En- I just don't know if they have enough scoring. They don't have enough offense. When Paul George isn't playing at a high level And we've seen Russ not really be Very efficient this year Game 1 Lilliard had 30 points And Cantor had 24 and McCollum had 24 And then in game 2 Lilliard had 29 and McCollum had 33 So you're getting 60 so far From Lilliard in 2 games And you know just under 60 from McCollum In 2 games Back to OKC for a must win Game 3 for the Thunder. But if I wouldn't be shocked if the Spurs won to see the Spurs beat whoever came out of that Blazers Thunder series because those two teams are banged up and the Spurs are just well coached and solid. And you give me Popovich with the opportunity to strategize and game plan against you, I'll take Popovich. I think probably the most, one of the more boring series so far has been Houston up 2 0 over Utah. Um, a must win game 3 for Utah On Saturday back home Harden It's been good He was he had 32-13-10 In game 2 And Gordon, Tucker, Capella And Paul all shot well And all shot very efficiently So if Harden is able to Control the game like that Even if he's not scoring 45 And even if he's not scoring in, any, in an efficient manner When Gordon and Tucker and Capella and Paul All hit their shots They're going to be a tough team Now are those pieces going to be able to hit shots Against the Warriors And deep into the playoffs Maybe they didn't last year But I think right now it still looks like The Houston team has the best opportunity I think to beat the Golden State Warriors Okay let's do a little more around the world As we move on from the NBA playoffs Over to the W. W-E So so let's get some quick post-WrestleMania thoughts Didn't talk a lot about WrestleMania I haven't really done anything since then All the endings were the endings that the fans wanted, right? Kofi Mania Becky Lynch winning the women's title It kind of was a weird ending though, right? A little bit unsatisfying But the result that everyone wanted Seth Rollins winning the title Result that everyone wanted It's too long I love WWE. I love wrestling. I would I wouldn't mind sitting and watching wrestling all day long, but I'm one of the few people who's a maniac and who doesn't get tired and who gets pumped up seven hours into it. Seven hour seven and a half hours is too long for the fans. it's it's too long for the wrestlers. it's too long for the people putting on the show. make it two nights. WWE has already kind of made WrestleMania into a into a week Wrestlemania week, right? They have the NXT show. They have the Hall of Fame ceremonies. They have all sorts of other access events throughout the week. Just extend it now. Saturday and Sunday night. Make your week start a little bit earlier. Do the Hall of Fame on Thursday. NXT on Friday. Night 1 of WrestleMania Saturday. Night 2 of WrestleMania Sunday. Then, nobody gets shortchanged. You don't have to worry about trying to fit everybody in to uh, to one night and uh, and all these matches where you're putting in Eight, ten multiple teams let it sit a little bit you can do two nights where you're going four and a half four and a half hours each five hours each if you want that's just so much better than the seven and a half hours the fans they're it's 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 a shame for some of the matches because there'll be a really hot match where the fans go crazy and then immediately following whatever match is next they they're kind of like a downer And the fans don't get into that match because you just can't be up for seven and a half hours straight, period. Especially in a year when they're going to have a good kickoff show like they did. They had two Battle Royals on the kickoff show. They had a couple other matches. It was four matches throughout. It wasn't just a fluff kickoff show where they're just uh, previewing the matches. It was actually action. We saw John Cena, Thugonomics, John Cena make his return, come out and interrupt Elias. That was a fun moment. The Undertaker did not show up at WrestleMania, but he did return on the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. Kurt Angle's gone. He had his retirement match. You know, I I wasn't really a fan of how Kurt Angle got treated in his last run with the WWE the last year or so. Um, His match with Ronda against Triple H and Stephanie at WrestleMania was good, and that was about it. He wasn't quite in shape the way he used to be He's had how many injuries, neck surgeries All sorts of things But he wasn't really treated and handled Like the star Kurt Angle that he used to be Uh, It seemed like they were kind of ribbing him A lot of the time And I know in wrestling When you're on your way out You put the next next guy over Or the next gal over Or the next up and coming star You put him over Which means you lose on your way out So they can win And they can kind of get a little rub from beating you but I would have liked to see at least Kurt um, be put in a, maybe a few more spots where he could shine or um, just treated with a little bit more respect. It seemed like he was losing a lot of matches that were meaningless. I, I don't mind him losing. I, I just want him to lose to a star or his losses to kind of mean something for the, the person who beat him going forward. What do we see? Uh, Braun Strowman. He interacted with the uh, the SNL guys. It was a fine job by uh, Michael Che and Colin Jost who's dating Scarlett Johansson, Colin Yost. How About that, huh? Scarlett Joe in some of the uh, Avengers fame. But oh, Scarlett Joe, she used to be on my list. She was she was number 1 for a while uh for me. She was she was number 1 uh then Mila Kunis took the mantle from her and then Emmy Rossum took the mantle for her. I'm a big shameless fan. Emmy just gorgeous major crush on uh on Fiona and then NXT, the NXT TakeOver shows Those are always awesome um, they're, sh- they're completely Different shows than from the WWE main event pay-per-view shows Right? Because they're short Not a lot of matches But long, incredible Matches, like every every show You watch, you go, was that one of the best matches I've ever seen? Gargano winning the NXT title Versus Adam Cole, baby! What a match! Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle, bro, bro. And uh, the women's match with Shayna Baszler, Kyrie, Bianca, Yushirai The future is bright in NXT, and they just keep churning and churning and churning out star after star after star after star after star. Now, hopefully, when they come up on the main roster. They will be treated with the same respect they're treated with down at NXT That's not always the case We see some of these guys and gals who do such a great job at NXT They're big stars, they get over, they get popular with the crowd And then their character gets completely changed and tweaked And they never really get a fair run or a fair opportunity on the main roster This past week was the superstar shakeup on WWE It's supposed to be like a draft um, And some years they've done a good job with behind-the-scenes um, so the general managers talking to each other with trades And two for ones Or um, personal issues In and, and the last couple of years They really have been kind of lackluster With how they've presented the superstar shakeup Not Not really like You would see other sports doing a draft Or draft prep Or um, trade deadline Or anything like that And It, it seems pretty easy, right? It, like it's something you could just have a couple of these backstage segments, some of your wrestlers not knowing where they're going to go, people being split up from teams or family members. Just didn't love the way it was handled. Quick run through of, uh, of some of the uh, the news and notes around the week. I thought that Kevin Owens with Kofi and Xavier was pretty funny KO in the new day on, on SmackDown. Um, had the opportunity to be horrible, but Kevin Owens does a, a really good job with whatever he's given. Roman Reigns punched Vince McMahon. Roman's over on SmackDown now. Becky, it looks like Becky two belts And the Iconics will be on both brands defending both of their uh, defending their belts. Um, where's Sasha? Lots of rumors about Sasha Banks. She seemed to be very unhappy with the company uh, that she was basically lied to about um, results in WrestleMania if she was going to win the match with with Bailey. They've now split. Bailey and Sasha up, um, but we don't know about Sasha. Is she done? Is she on Raw? Is she going somewhere else? I don't know if they're going to release her. Have they talked her back into coming? Is she taking a time uh, time out? Who knows? Dean Ambrose. Dean looks like he is done. Kind of weird the way that they played this with Ambrose, right? I can't really remember ever them mentioning another at uh, another wrestler so far in Advance had asked for their release. They granted it to them, and then they were still on TV and still part of storylines. Generally, that doesn't happen. So this one's always this one's been a weird one with me. I I thought all along, Dean, this was part of an angle, and Dean wasn't really leaving. Um, so I will we'll see. I guess I won't really believe until I see Dean wrestling in another company. Luke Harper also done. Man, talk about an underrated wrestler, huh? Luke Harper, that guy can go. He's big. He just he didn't ever really get a push. You know, he had. The one little icy title run And he had a good match with Ziggler It looked like he was going to get a a push A couple years back when he was uh, Involved with Randy Orton and AJ Styles And uh, Bray Wyatt And He just never was someone they got Behind and pushed but he has a distinct look He's a big guy and he can go I've Always been a fan of Luke Harper Ronda is on her hashtag Impregnation vacation she's been tweeting About that she's taking some time off To try to go uh become a mother. Sammy Zayn is the crazy heel, which is fun. Um, he's cut some great promos the last couple weeks. And I think we should see more focus now on some of the storylines now that this superstar shakeup is over. Um it's been kind of like a, a standstill the last couple weeks. You could tell that WWE didn't really want to go in and start setting things up because I don't know if they even knew for sure which who was going to Raw and who was going to SmackDown. Roman Reigns is in the Hobbs and Shaw Trailer with The Rock If you look up the trailer for Hobbs and Shaw You can see Roman Reigns and The Rock um, Together in, the, in that trainer Quickly Who went to Monday Night Raw? Who went to Smackdown? My guy The Miz is on Monday Night Raw Ricochet, Alistair Black, The Viking Experience Now Ivar and Eric They used to be War Machine and then War Raiders But you can't say the word roar So now they are The Viking Experience Which is a horrible name EC3, Cedric Alexander Andrade and Zelina Vega Rey Mysterio, The Usos Naomi, Eric Young Without Sanity, Lacey Evans, AJ Styles We didn't see Samoa Joe this week I think he was sick, but the word is that Samoa Joe is also on Raw with that US title Smackdown, Finn Balor, the IC champ He had a pretty solid match with Ali right off the bat Lars Sullivan, even after appearing on Raw It looks like he's going to settle in on Smackdown Ember Moon, we saw Bailey show up without Sasha Kyrie Sane shows up with Asuka and Paige. So it looks like Kyrie might be in a tag team with Asuka and Paige as their manager. Buddy Murphy, the best kept secret. Elias and Roman had a segment with Vince where uh, Vince was teasing the biggest acquisition in SmackDown history. Elias came out, was playing a song, and then Roman interrupted. Beat up Elias, beat up Vince. Roman Reigns now on SmackDown. Chad Gable on SmackDown without Bobby Roode. Mickey James is there. Apollo Crews, Liv Morgan. And heavy machinery, all making the move to SmackDown. So, your uh, your wrestling corner for the week, little WWE corner. Okay, what's next here? Where are we gonna go? Let's be honest, folks. Probably not gonna get this kind of uh, information on every show, where we're gonna talk famous dates in history. Tiger Woods, NBA playoffs WWE, now we move on to what I've been watching what have I been watching ok well, I think everybody is watching Game of Thrones right now right? Game of Thrones, Sunday night we got the comeback most recently, if you want more Game of Thrones deep dive check out the Mike Abadir show podcast um, weekly When uh, on that show, Mike and I will be doing Game of Thrones recaps, so we went over Uh, Some of our favorite moments And the big moments from this past weekend We saw some dragon writing Jon's family Hates Danny, Hates Daenerys You're on Getting it on with Cersei Okay Okay Uh, Jon finds out he is the true heir to the throne And not his girlfriend slash aunt So she's not really the real heir As she thinks And then how about the uh, The the meetings, right? From some of the characters that reunited Or we got to see them link back up again Jamie and Bronn um, Tyrion and Sansa Jon and Arya The Hound and Arya Gendry and Arya Lots of fun moments there But Game of Thrones isn't the only thing on Sunday That we're watching, right? For me, Sunday night I'll do some deep dives on these shows now cause moving forward but just want to steer you to what I'm watching. Billions on Showtime, Veep on HBO, Barry on HBO. That's a nice little Sunday night, right? You get some Game of Thrones, you get some Billions. You need a you need a light show in there though after some some seriousness and some of the killing in Veep. And then Barry's kind of right in the middle where uh it's a, a kind of a dark comedy. Awesome shows, big fans of those shows That Sunday night lineup right now is really Really good if you're watching uh, HBO and if you're Watching Showtime, and then don't forget About the Avengers, I just watched uh, Infinity War on Netflix As kind of a little prep for Avengers Endgame, which will be coming out Thursday April the 25th Record pre-sale tickets there For uh, Avengers Endgame If you're a big Avengers fan, make sure to Watch Infinity War or some of the other Avengers movies, so you can get yourself in the mode. I'm one of the I'm I'm one of the dorks that always does that, right? Like if a new show is coming out. I'm going to go back and watch the last season to get myself set back up. If a new movie's coming out and it's the the third one, I'm going to go watch the first two. When WWE WrestleMania comes up, I go back and watch all of the WrestleManias. It's like a two-month task for me. I'll start at WrestleMania 1 and it'll be like my background noise while I'm working for the next two months uh, as they just go through each and every WrestleMania. So always looking for content and shows to watch. Let's see what else. Married. I like. A, I, I found a show on Hulu called Married. It's a couple seasons, pretty funny. Uh, quick watch, a good comedy. Um, check it out. Continuing to watch Superstore, Brooklyn Nine Nine. You can hit both of those on Hulu if you don't watch them live when they come on. Uh, Kim's Convenience is another show I just finished on Netflix. Really, really funny. All of those are comedies. So if you're looking for a good laugh, you could check out any of those. Uh, those last four: Married, Superstore. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Kim's Convenience. I'm always looking for a new show or a movie. So any suggestions at all, please send them my way. Um, I am just a maniac when it comes to uh, to content. And I love binge-watching shows. If I find a new movie, I'm going to watch it immediately. Um, so yeah, need need to hear from you folks. Remind you one more time. The show is brought to you by... Call to post.com Call the number 2 Post.com, a horse racing entertainment company Whose primary goal is to provide people from all walks of life The opportunity to experience the thrill of racehorse ownership Check out call to post.com The number 2, you can be just seconds away from horse racing ownership On Viceland.com This is also in the What I've been watching Segment on Viceland If you have the channel Viceland If you don't or if you've missed it You can go to Viceland.com And they have three Really good documentaries up At the moment and they're about wrestling But if you're not a wrestling fan If you're just a fan of like The documentary style or like a crime Like the, the crime style Stories these are really good ones Because the the first one And when I say good I mean Interesting The first one is all about Bruiser Brody And if you don't know the story about Bruiser Brody He was a 6'6", 350 Huge star in the 70s, 80s In wrestling And he was murdered in July 1988 In Puerto Rico Before a big show He was uh, was slated to wrestle that night And it was this big Plotted out murder Um, Just an unbelievable story if you know the rest of the, some of the the names that you see, David Manning, Mick Foley, Dutch Mantel, Abdullah the Butcher, um, who is Brody's greatest nemesis, they're all in the documentary. And Abdullah the Butcher and Tony Atlas, they really have major parts in that. You know, Bruiser Brody was a huge star in the late seventies, early eighties, and he was hardcore. And for him, the key was everybody thought he was a maniac. He was involved in matches with weapons, chains, blood. Um, all, all sorts of hardcore matches And he always wanted to kind of keep That image Of him as a hardcore Crazy guy And so a lot of times he would just Really beat up on guys in the ring and he could get away with doing it because he was a star Because the fans you know, loved him He kept getting booked and booked And booked over and over and over again um, He actually played for the Washington Redskins He was an All-American football player In high school And he went to college on an athletic scholarship His family really did not know him well And you, you hear from the family a little bit In the documentary uh, His Seems like his best buddy Really was Abdullah the Butcher Who is shown with his head Scarred up and scraped up and, and he can Barely even move around uh, They talk about Puerto Rico And how Puerto Rico was known as Blood City it, The fans were really really violent They wanted violence, they would throw rocks And stones and urine At the wrestlers, bags of urine Glass, rocks, nails uh, The organization Was called the World Wrestling Council The co-founders were Gorilla Monsoon And Carlos Colon, we, we all no Gorilla Monsoon from his fame in the WWF as honestly as a wrestler but a, a lot of people especially in this generation know him as an announcer and a really his really fun back and forth with Bobby the Brain uh Joe, Jose Gonzalez was a wrestler that was named Invader number 1 and he did not get along well with Bruiser Brody and he was close with Carlos Colón he was actually the booker in the territory which means he was one of the ones who kind of set up the matches and to figure out who would win and, and go forward Brody had wrestled against Invader one time And he beat him badly So badly that Invader had to go To the ho- Jose Gonzalez had to go to the hospital And Gonzalez had been heard Telling other people that he was going to kill Brody at some point um, You know, so Brody, because And he did this a lot, like he believed In his gimmick, he believed who he was So he just beat the crap out of people To keep up that tough guy image And Before the July 1988 incident happened Brody was back here in America And he was telling people that he was owed $25,000 By the company in Puerto Rico So he was very upset He also hated Jose Jose hated him Jose was the booker Jose's 3 year old daughter just died So Jose's on edge Uh, Brody goes to Puerto Rico He's booked for a, a big event and he goes to talk to Jose about their match in private, which is something that happens all the time. Before before a match, wrestlers will always go and discuss the match, kind of lay it out, what's going to happen, uh, this, this, that, that, kind of put their rundown in. And uh, they were in private, and Jose stabbed Bruiser Brody. And Bruiser Brody, there was a skirmish and a, and a little bit of a struggle, and Brody... Came out of a room that he was in And Tony Atlas could see that he was Bleeding, and Tony Atlas basically um, Took care of him He took him, he put him under his Wing, he was the only one kind of standing By for him, because you gotta remember, this This was set Up, this wasn't just one man Who pulled this off, Jose This was set up with a couple other people who were Watching his back, who, and and what ends Up happening is uh, Tony Atlas goes to the hospital with Bruiser Brody, his feet are are turning blue because he's just been stabbed all over He's losing blood circulation The other wrestlers at the show The only person who saw this happen Was Tony Atlas Nobody else saw So Tony Atlas leaves to go with, with Bruiser Brody And he goes to the hospital The other wrestlers at the show They thought it was part of an angle Remember Brody is the tough badass guy Right He's the guy who's bleeding all the time So everyone's thinking this is part of the storyline Right They're they're setting this up, and Brody's going to come back with a return. It's going to be this huge fight. It's going to be so intense, and the fans are going to go crazy. That didn't happen. I mean, the show went on that night. So Tony Atlas comes back while Bruiser Brody is is still in the hospital. The people at the, the arresters, the people backstage, they're talking about a fan stabbing him. The police thought it was a fan. They thought it was all part of the show. So Tony Atlas comes back. He's telling the police the story. He even wrestles. He goes on for a few minutes, finishes his match early. The man, Jose Gonzalez, who murdered Bruiser Brody, goes out and wrestles that night. So Tony gets word that the murderers are now going to come after him because he's protecting Bruiser Brody. And Tony leaves. He, he kind of Just goes MIA, he goes to the beach and he's just kind of walking all night long. Bruiser Brody ends up dying in the hospital that night. They never recover any murder weapons whatsoever. And Abdullah the Butcher, when he came back to the United States, he had to tell Bruiser Brody's family that he was dead. Jose Gonzalez was arrested, got bailed out, and walked out of prison that day. They had a trial. And he got off on trial on self-defense. The reason why he gets off on trial on self-defense is because the fans in Puerto Rico, they believed that the wrestling was real. They believed that Brody was that crazy man and that Jose was just sticking up for himself. Tony Atlas, the only person who saw the whole thing, was never contacted to testify. There were some dirty, dirty things going on in this, folks. This was a really good documentary. It's gripping. And you just your jaw is dropped repeatedly over and over and over, with uh, with just behind the scenes stories and some of the wrestlers telling you, and, and these are names that we know, right? Um, you know Mick Foley, Dutch Mantel, Abdullah Butcher, crazy. Go to ViceLand.com and, and you can check it out. And there were two more, um, up the Montreal Screwjob one. Is about Bret Hart if you don't know the story Um, Bret Hart was the WWE champion, it was 1997 He was getting ready to leave for WCW And this was going to be his final match Against Shawn Michaels for the championship Well Bret and Shawn Michaels Hated each other, they were in Montreal Where Bret's from And Bret did not want to lose the title To Shawn, he told his boss I will lose to anyone else Except for this particular guy He disrespects me I will not lose to him so it would basically be like if you were directing a movie or a play and the actors in the play just didn't want to do what they were supposed to do. They didn't want to play their roles. They didn't want to go along with it. And that's what ends up happening. And it ended up being just this huge, huge incident where, you know, it doesn't sound that big of a deal on on paper, right? Oh, it was a wrestling match and they said one thing. one thing was supposed to happen and the other thing did. But what ends up happening is it is – it sparks like a chain reaction of all the people who your uh, work underneath your boss trust issues right trust issues do these you know these wrestlers now are they going to go back out and do what you say after you just screwed over bret hart it, it was tough because vince is in the right Brett's in the right. Vince is doing what he wants to do for his company. He doesn't want to let Brett leave his company with the championship, still as the championship and as a champion and go to another company, right? You see the um, a lot of really known wrestlers and wrestling personalities in this one Jim Cornette, Bruce Pritchard, Brett Hart himself, Dutch Mantel, Scott Hall, Earl Hebner, Vince Russo, and Eric Bischoff. The big, uh, the big. I guess battle, there's really nothing new If you if you know wrestling, you know the Montreal Screwjob You're probably not going to get a lot of new information Out of this particular one But we did see Jim Cornette and Vince Russo Both saying that it was their Idea for the Montreal Screwjob, I, I tend to believe Jim Cornette a little bit more, because Vince Russo A lot of times, it just seems like he wants to get He wants to, uh, to get his face And his name out there, and I, I guess initially He wasn't even contacted for the documentary But he asked to be in it, because he said He had great stories, and I, I don't know i think uh i think i'd probably lean towards jimmy cornette as the one coming up with that scott hall though he thinks it was all a work that he was watching it back and he thinks it was all a setup he was watching the reactions and he said i think it was all a setup i think brett knew it was going to happen nobody uh really is that upset i think it was all planned um and and then you you kind of see I like this one a lot because Brett is my favorite wrestler of all time and he was Brett's big years were from 92 to 97 and for me that was when I was 5 to 10 years old so that was when I am a kid and just all in on wrestling loving it Brett is the good guy he is my guy and um, you you hear him talk and he says you know what he wanted to be remembered as the guy who made wrestling part uh, who the guy who made the wrestling part a focal part of wrestling again and he wasn't all pomp and circumstance. He was an in-ring wrestler who had good morals and he was just a good guy. And that and that's why the kids liked him because he was your your baby face your your major good guy. So another really good one to check out on viceland.com is that Montreal screwjob one. And then the really um, the, the really sad, like really sad one because we I think m- probably the, the most mainstream one was the macho man with Miss Elizabeth. We all know the macho man as just one of the biggest crossover stars in wrestling from his voice to his look to the the outfits and um, talk about Brett not being big on pop and circumstance. Macho man was big on pop and circumstance, but he was also an incredible wrestler and he was also incredible at cutting a promo or a uh, Ooh, what makes me tick? What makes me tick? What makes me tick? I'm going to cream in a crop. See, I've been to the top of the mountain, and I'm going back here, and I'm going back here. Lust in your eyes, Hulk Hogan. Some of the more memorable lines ever from the Macho Man, and he would have a lot of fun backstage with Mean Gene cutting promos. But this is... This is a really good behind the scenes On Macho Man and Elizabeth The one word that everybody uses to describe the Macho Man Intense And uh, his wife, Miss Elizabeth, she humanized him It was really one of the first big Male-female wrestling combinations This was 1985-86 We're not used to seeing uh, A female as like a valet, as a manager out there And a Macho Man They had told Macho Man they wanted someone to accompany him To the ring, and so he brought his own wife In Elizabeth, he had been married to her before And he brought her with him on the road, and he made her part of His package, uh, part of the Macho Man Randy Savage package And uh, He he was a second, general res- uh, second generation Wrestler, incredible on the Microphone, and he had a crazy gimmick That was just a little extension of his Personality, his His brother Lanny Poffo said the dial was past 10 And it was permanently broken You get great insight from Bruce Pritchard Lanny Poffo, Scott Hall, Jake the Snake Eric Bischoff, Jimmy Hart All in this one Um, Macho man in real life One of his mottos was whatever it takes And you could see he worked so hard He met Elizabeth as she was working At the front desk of a gym He went into the gym, it was like 6 o'clock in the morning And uh, he pulled his glasses off She said wow your eyes are so red. And Macho Man said, you should see him from this side. And that, uh, I guess that got her laughing. And that was it from there. She fell for the guy. <laughs> you Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. And he said, man, if I was a chick, I would have banged Randy. He was as cool as hell. Now, that's a quote. That's a quote. It's a direct quote. So I can say a bad word if it's in a direct quote. But Scott Hall basically saying, yeah, Randy was cool. If I was the girl, I'd be with him. He was the total Opposite of Liz Um, She was very Quiet, he was very intense But Randy was very loyal to his brother To his wife, he got them both jobs in WWE He always wanted to help them out Uh, But it's when you look back at the character and the dynamic, it's really s- kind of scary because he was basically playing like a domestic abuse type character. He yelled at her, he told her to shut up, he kind of pulls her around very intensely, but he never really hits her. And it's just always insinuated that he's intense and she's just very quiet. But this goes over a little bit of Randy's pre WWE. Then it goes over his coming to WWE, the story with Liz, WrestleMania 3 versus Steamboat, the mega powers with Hogan and Elizabeth, his macho king run. Um, You go into WCW for a little bit and, and towards the end. So you really get a good sense of the macho man from, you know, 1980 to 2010. The big Saturday night's main event when Elizabeth got hurt and Hulk carried her back and then the mega powers exploded. The one thing that Kept coming up over and over again when you heard You know Jake the Snake or or uh, Jimmy Hart talk um, Randy was very Like crazy protective Over Elizabeth and she'd be traveling On the road with him and you have to remember this is a male Dominated business so she's in the locker Room with all the men and there's only A few women back there a couple of the women The female wrestlers and maybe uh, another wife or girlfriend for some of the other wrestlers And he didn't allow anyone to Talk to her I mean he did not allow it. He went crazy. He had full control over her in, in in every way. And by 1990, she just she wanted time off the road. She needed time apart. We saw the macho man becomes the macho king. They paired him up with sensational Sherry. He had that awesome retirement match with the Ultimate Warrior in 1991. And and that's when Elizabeth was in the stands WrestleMania 1991. She embraces him after he loses when Sherry's beating him up. And they have this embrace And they're back together And and there are people crying on TV Grown men crying Crying on TV Uh, He then proposes on TV And they have the match made in heaven wedding Which main evented SummerSlam 1991 Then Jake the Snake interrupts with the snake and then we all remember that great angle with the snake right? In November 1991 With the snake incident When um, Macho Man was tied up in the ropes And Jake had the snake biting him on the arm And the, the snake wouldn't get off Jake was talking about how he's trying to get the snake off In, in real life and he won't get off Macho Man uh, Unfortunately At the point of their On TV marriage In real life They were really really struggling And So when they get married on WWE they're getting ready to almost divorce. Um, and when when they go their separate ways and when they broke up, Macho, it took a long time for him to really recover. I don't know if either one of them ever really did recover. He goes to WCW in 1995 um, in the late night 90- and Liz also goes over to WCW. They had some storylines on TV about their former relationship. And then in the late 90s, Liz started to date Lex Luger. Lex Luger's married at this time. Um, Lex Luger puts Liz in a complex where his other, where his family is also living. They are taking pills, drugs, um, Lex Luger had hit her. He was arrested. And he talks about all of it now. Um, he knows everything he was wrong and he's, you know, he's made right, um, with his life. But, she overdosed on pills um, At the age of 42 It was a, a real shame Lex Luger was arrested on 17 felony accounts um, He's recovered now And he'll tell the story And he'll he'll take all the responsibility and blame for it And it was a bad part of his life But he's doing good now um, We got to see in 2010 Randy Savage remarrying And, and then we got to see when, when he passed away in 2011 He was one of those crossover stars Where it was mainstream news Everybody knew Randy Savage For the voice, the look And Liz, the first lady of wrestling A, a, a sad story But very, very interesting All three of those uh, those documentaries on. So just go to Viceland.com And you can watch any of them They're all about 45 minutes long um, Really, really good And again, I'd recommend, even if you are not a wrestling fan Worth your time Worth your time Interesting, you'll learn some stuff And um, it, it's... Uh, you, you won't you won't say Gino I wasted 40 minutes I promise you that okay final segment of the show we're gonna read through the current well not current I guess it's the final the Kentucky Derby top 20. these are the the 20 horses who will be in the Kentucky Derby starting gate as long as they stay healthy right now okay so we'll give you like a little word or a phrase about uh, about each horse. And we'll maybe make a noise about each one too So you can get an idea of who Who we really like the most Okay let's start from the bottom And go up Number 20, Master Fencer No, Spin Off No, Grey Magician No, 18, 19, 20 No thank you for me Country House, okay Okay I think a Price Horse And a definite key under in the two, three, four spots I don't know if he's good enough to win But I do think with the right timed ride he could And he will be one of the price horses that I'm including Some of my exotics Win, win, win Very bottom of the exotics, just under Cutting humor, Mm, not for me Tax, Mm, not a fan Long Rage Toddy you could talk me into some bottom side of exotics or maybe uh one of the uh, on the fringe type horses. War of will. Okay. I'm gonna give War of Will a bounce back shot. Four of Will wins his most recent race. He's one of the betting favorites in the Kentucky Derby. I don't think he is the betting favorite, but he's probably like the fourth, third, or fourth choice. And I think he's going to drop quite a bit because of that lackluster effort. But uh, he won't be my number one horse, but he will be a horse in some exotics and I'll use on the win end in a few spots. And okay, okay, improbable. If the price is right That's what I'm thinking right Little Bob Barker Little Drew Carey If the price is right Maybe But I like others more Than improbable Hi, Cal No Code of Honor Maybe This is one that I'm really Still in the middle on No real strong opinion Either way on uh, Code of Honor Game winner Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yes, please. Anything over six to one, game winner. Come on, yeah, yeah. I, like, I like game winner a little bit. I think he. I think people are kind of f- jumping off of game winner because he hasn't won yet this year. He's battle tested. He's been in every big race from last year on. I like his running style. He's versatile, and I, th- I think he's going to be there. So I'm not, I'm not concerned that he was a little short to a couple other good horses this year. I like him a lot. I really do. And I think if he if he's a, the horse that gets forgotten about on the windows a little bit, and he's starting to float up, and he's over six, maybe he's eight to one or ten to one. Then we're really gonna gonna uh, get involved with the Game Winner. Maximum security. No, thank you. By my standards I I need to see more I don't like the whole buyer thing Changing the buyer Um, I was just really disappointed In particular with um, The Louisiana Derby And and some of the big stars didn't run their best races So I think he kind of capitalized on a couple horses Who didn't show up Roadster, sure Right, why not, what's wrong with Roadster Plus, K parfait No thank you, no parfait for me Por favor Vacoma. Hmm, hmm. Right. Nice running style. If he's over 12 to 1, you can make a case for him. But his action, right? When I say his running style, I mean he is a he has tactical speed in that. He doesn't have to be far out off of it, but he's not going to be on the lead. He's a horse who can just you can kind of put in really in any position that you want. But that action, right? He's not the the smoothest mover and you watch him Those front, he's like he's swimming out there He's like he's paddling And I don't know going a mile and a quarter Can you win with that type of action Omaha Beach Who will likely vie for favoritism I think because Baffert I think because Mike Smith moved over to the Mandela And not the Baffert, Omaha Beach probably will be your favorite In the Derby And he is, reminds me of Orb Not anything more than just He is just peaking right now at the right time And he has that middle move and kind a of running style that has won the derby the last couple of years. Mike can move a little early on him. He can sit close. He has a little speed if he needs it. No real knocks on Omaha Beach. And then we have Tacitus. Maybe, right? I think he's the horse that I would I don't know where he's going to be. Like I wouldn't be shocked if he's only 6 to 1 or so, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was up around 15 to 1 or so. You could talk me into him. I think he'll probably end up around 10. Maybe your fourth choice But if he starts taking some money And Game Winner floats up I think he might be the wise guy horse That takes some money Tacitus, And Game Winner might flow up, might float up So um, just a quick idea Now remember we're still two weeks out So things will change We'll watch some workouts We'll hear how horses are doing uh, We'll see some post positions We'll see how the track is that day There's still some factors to come in But right now we know most of these horses So that's kind of how I, I feel about most of them I would love some of the uh, the horses from 21 through 30 to get in though, right? Like Signalman, Another Twist of Fate, Sueño, Bourbon War, Instagram, Mucho Gusto, Owendale. I would more like I'd be more likely to play those horses than probably 10 of the horses I just mentioned that are in the derby. So it's kind of a weird year in that um I think there are some horses who are pretty good 3-year-olds that aren't even going to get in. We should probably see a really good undercard at Churchill and I think a, a good preakness with uh with a lot of these, you know, the, the Bourbon War, Sweeneyo, Instagram, uh, Signal Man, another twist of fates. Whoa, folks, that's gonna do it for our first actual real That's What G Said podcast. Again, a big thank you to Joey Cleveland. Joey, our buddy with the theme song. Make sure to follow Joey online uh make sure to follow Joey on Twitter. And if you can, folks, please Head to iTunes, leave me a nice five-star rating and review. If you can subscribe and then leave a rating and review, what ends up happening is it, it is information that I can use... For future sponsors. And I can always do all of these shows for free. I never have to charge for anything. That's, that's one goal. I don't want to charge for content. There's so much great content out there. I want to pump out free content all the time. So every time you like, you retweet, you share a post, you subscribe, you tell your friends about it. Um, or you, you know, you sign up for an account with uh, iTunes or, um, Spotify or Stitcher or Pandora, iHeartRadio, ACAST, anywhere you are. That's what G said is available for your downloading and listening pleasures. Folks, thank you very much. And let's listen to the sounds of Joey Cleveland as we get out of here.